You are listening to the Next Best Series podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the showrunner, director, and writer for HBO Max's The Staircase, Antonio Campos, and the co-writer and executive producer, Maggie Cohn. I'd like to make a toast to so many better days ahead. Every day is going to be an adventure, so always stop and think, this is one of the happiest days of my life. To the Petersons. To us. Now, I want to wear your marketing. My wife, she had an accident. What kind of accident? She, she fell down the stairs. No, she's not breathing. There were 35 cuts and bruises and seven deep lacerations to the scalp. Someone's holding something caused the impact to make these wounds. Make any adjustments you see fit. It's a witch hunt. We need to get you a lawyer. case like this, keep your family close. You'll need them on your side. We have no murder weapon, but we've found countless images on his computer. Dad tells stories. I keep that from all of us, not from Mom. She would have told me. <laughs> you're beautiful, and you're my daughter. I got a call from a couple documentarians. They want to make a movie about our case. The French do have good taste. The fact of the matter is she had some wine and fell. You just wander through life going to the gym and yelling at the dogs and spending my money. You took the life of the best thing you ever had. I haven't even told you half of what we know about Germany. Twenty-five years ago, and nothing happened. You know, there wasn't even any blood. Well, there was some blood, Michael. My ex-wife, everyone. She'll be around all week. Dad has been there for us always. Stop questioning everything. Just stop. I can't. I can't. I can't. Do you really think that Kathleen Peterson really knew who her husband was? I think there are not many families like us. I'm tired all the time. We need help. We're not perfect, but we stick together. They called me a liar. Maybe we both are. And we love each other. Petersons are crazy. Thank you both so much for, for taking time to talk to me about The Staircase. Well, we're, we're just talking a couple days after the premiere of the final show. It's all out in the world. It's, it's, it's the work is done. Uh, how has how this week been for you both? Are you feeling good? Feeling finished? How's it been? Surreal, I think. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, we had, Maggie and I haven't talked about it. We we're going to talk about it tonight over margaritas. But um, I... It's, uh, I, I haven't processed it yet, to be honest. It doesn't feel like, uh, it doesn't, that it's over. It doesn't feel real, but it does, it does. The fact that I'm hearing people's reaction trickle in and, um, that the, what we intended, you know, to do at the very end, it seems like we did. And, um, you know, it was a it was a big leap, and uh, the fact that it feels like we landed where we wanted to, and that people are reacting the way they are, it's 
it's it's nice. It's satisfying. Yeah, I think I'm going to put a finer note on what Antonio just said, which is the idea that like for a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's oh, like I've seen the eight episodes. It's over for them. But for us, I'd imagine I think whenever you create something, um, the ending isn't quite as definitive as the literal ending of something um, and that it takes a little bit longer. Um, but what I will say is, that, yeah, there's like a certain amount of amount of satisfaction that, um, you know, two years ago when you're kind of conceptualizing something and figuring out and, and deciding to take a risk that knowing that that risk was worthwhile, that that has a bit of a finality to it and a bit of satisfaction. So yeah, it, it's nice to experience, experience that as opposed to the alternative. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just thinking about how, what it feels like. And it, it's like, I feel like all, all along the way you have exclamation points um, and question marks. And yeah. then the end always feels like an ellipsis. No matter what the project, it always feels a little like an ellipses. And um, yeah, so yeah, I feel like we're at the ellipses. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm like on like the, the middle dot of the ellipses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like right there. <laughs> the middle dot. <laughs> I'm, I'm right edging my way towards. I'm just, I've got my finger on the period button and it's just <laughs> like. <"Bruh." laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense that you feel that way. I mean, Antonio, you pursued this story for more than a decade, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I was, I was just looking back at emails um, and the first email was December 18th, 2008 saying uh, this producer has a, has a documentary documentary they'd like to share. It's uh they said it was six, they missed they missed made a mistake and said it was six hours. It was actually eight hours. It's a six-hour documentary in the vein of capturing the freedmen's. Uh, we look forward to discussing. And that was that was that was uh, December eighteenth, two thousand eight. And um, yeah, it's surreal. It's going going back and looking at all that stuff and just yeah, again, haven't processed it. So all this time, uh, you know, what, whatever, 12, 13, whatever years later, mm-hmm. why, why the dedication to spend, spend so much time to bring this story to the screen in, in a, in a new format? You know, it, initially it just started, it's, it, the, it started because um, it felt like the kind of, it, I mean, even then it felt like, oh, this is kind of like the ultimate true crime and that it feels almost impossible. And it, you know, one of the ways we describe it is like a maze within a maze, Michael Peterson being that maze within the maze of the story itself. And it immediately felt like there was the, the, the fact that there was this, these French filmmakers there and there was this kind of epic documentary and these people were embedded with them and everything that we then subsequent, subsequently learn about um, everyone involved and the family and all of Michael's secrets, it just felt the story is endlessly fascinating. And I think that comes across in the documentary and it comes across in, in all the things that have been written and uh, recorded about this story. And, you know, we try to bring all of, you know, all of that into as much as we could fit into this one series. And again, like the, the reason why I, I, I stayed as invested in it is because it kept changing. I mean, the story kept evolving. If the story had, if it was just that there was eight parts and that was all there was, and the story ended with him in prison for life, um, 
I don't think we'd be talking today. I don't think we'd get to a point where, you know, we'd be in a writer's room with all of us debating as much as we debated. Um, it's really that the story didn't just end at the end of those eight parts and didn't just end with him in prison and life that it just kept going. And I, and, and, and honestly, it just will continue to go. I think there's, a, it seems like there's endlessly more to learn about this story than could ever be sort of put into any one thing. And Maggie, you, I understand you were a fan of the original documentary as well before Antonio brought you the, the pilot script. So when this opportunity arose to, to join the project as co-showrunner, what, what did you, what did you all seek to bring to the table to make this, uh, you know, a, a, a meaningful new chapter in the story, not just, you know, a shot for shot remake or something like that? Well, what I think is interesting, is, and it kind of goes back to the question you just asked Antonio, is that and what was appealing about reading the pilot is that in that interim period from 2008 until now, or, you know, two years ago or whenever we started it, it was the, the genre of true crime has developed so significantly that this show would, been, would have been impossible to make earlier because the show itself is about interrogating the genre. Um, and so the, it, the genre itself had to establish something to be interrogated. And so that's what's been interesting is to be um, you know, a, a fan of the documentary because I'd studied a lot of documentary filmmaking in school and I understood like kind of the construction of story and then to have a television um, series that allowed you to then investigate how a story is told and specifically how a story is told in an arena where you're supposed to be moving towards a single truth and then coming to understand that that's not a position that we could find ourselves in. And possibly it's something that we actually, when you do move towards that, that you're probably shaping the story in such a way that kind of disavows other perspectives. And so for us, it was just this great opportunity to explore all of that. And in order to do that, it was gonna take time to have something worth exploring. So I think that was what attracted me from being a fan of the documentary to then of wanting to pursue this project. Well, I'd love to hear about your partnership uh, as co-showrunners. What was what was it like working together to bring the story to life? It was great. I mean, I, I like, I you know, one of the reasons I think it, it took as long as it did, and I'm happy it took as long as it did, is because I met this person here, Maggie Cohn. And, uh, a partner that was just unlike any other. I mean, she's just a wonderful collaborator, a wonderful person. And I don't think, I mean, I have to also like the writers in our writers room were just all fantastic. Like it was an incredible alchemy of just, just I don't know, wonderful people with like everybody with their own perspective, their own strengths as writers and, and an incredible researcher, Michael Matthews. And I think there was a real, real like magic in that writer's room. I think there was, I think we all were, it was all virtual and there was, we all kind of like were excited to be in that room for those four to five hours, sometimes six hours a day to just, to, to try and unpack this thing, to, to lean into the complexities and debate and allow ourselves to be malleable and find new ways of looking at things that we didn't think we could see. And you know, Maggie and I, I just felt like as as co-showrunners, as partners, I, I just always felt like we clicked. And, and I think that, you know, taking, um, I mean, Maggie's 
sort of mind is just sort of is just the amount that Maggie can uh, hold in her brain at one time and how quick her uh, recall is, uh, is incredible. Um, and her understanding of structure and story and character is just, it's just, it, it's fast. It's, it's, it's just really just one of the best. And, um, and, but I think that the, the reason why we're here today, and I think the reason why we're not, we're not like, shriveled up versions of ourselves is because we were able to this is doing an eight-part miniseries limited series is such a it's such a great big endeavor and in order to survive that you have to be able to laugh and see the humor at times and how crazy it all is and maggie and i no matter how stressful and crazy it got we could always make each other laugh and i think that was so key to to it's so key to any any creative endeavor, uh, but it was so key to to this the ability to just no matter how stressful the, the production could get or whatever, it was always like we could stop, we could talk, we could laugh about it, and then find a way through. Yeah, I also it, what was great. It's like we had um, which is infrequent, and something you kind of take for granted is that we had the same capacity for risk, which is so we never. Yeah, somebody had an idea that was a little bit, you know, unconventional or maybe not the thing that you would necessarily go to. It was always an exciting moment as opposed to a moment of like, no, 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 let's not do that. And so I think, you know, within the realm, you know, not going to, too far, it was like we both had that same shared desire of like, how do we make this somewhat different than what we would anticipate and maybe what the viewer would anticipate? And like it was, you know, that there can always be disagreements, but like the fundamental things, like how, whether or not to challenge the viewer, the, we were always on the same page about that. Um, and so when you have that shared vision, you kind of have a foundation in which you can really explore a lot of different things. Um, and I think just also when it's a show that this is this complicated it's helpful to have somebody else that has a like he said like like has the same knowledge that you do so if you are uncertain about something you can be like this is what we're trying to do right and it's like yes and then i'm like okay great and so that's always helpful um and just covid is it just it makes everything a little bit more difficult so having someone like antonio that was willing to like create this really like significant family environment was important for our cast and crew. And then also it was really important for what you see on the screen because, you know, a lot of that was a level of comfort that he was able to establish before we started shooting. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, 
and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Antonio, the final shot of this series is is pretty remarkable. Tell me about crafting that shot, and, and when did you when, when did you know that that was going to be the final image? We I mean, we always knew that like we were going to come back to that bedroom at the end. That the if, you know if you if you look at the whole series, it starts in that bedroom with us not having access to his face. We're just on his back, handheld, looking at him sitting there as he gets up. He looks at the picture of Kathleen, and then I we always knew that we were going to come back to that moment at the end, but that we would have access to his eyes. And all, I mean, it was very early on. I mean, it was like, we always knew as we were going through this, the shooting, it was like, how do we just withhold some access to his eyes? How do we always maintain a mystery? And so we really made a point of like, you know, withholding something that was so direct and so in your face until that last moment to really make that. And we were thinking about that all the way, all the way. So we always, you know, I think we always knew that that was going to be the moment and it was, yeah. So it was very much baked into the cake early on. Um, now to talk about it, to conceive it, to talk about it, to plan it, that's all one thing. Um, it's, it's all about what that, that face is doing when the camera comes around. And what's so cool about that shot is that the way that you experienced it in the audience is how we experienced it in Video Village watching it. Because, you know, Colin knew what the assignment was based on, you know, what the script was asking of him, which was essentially to be two things at once, to convey, to, to, to convey a mystery, to suggest, wait, did he just do that and wait, is he is he is he thinking what I think he's thinking? Oh wait, but he's also there's something so soft and vulnerable. Like there was a there was all of that that was kind of the idea in 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 the scripts, and um, he was able to internalize that and then give us what you saw, which is a face that is is like as complicated as an expression or a series of micro expressions that 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 conveys the complexity of Michael Peterson or like the version of Michael Peterson that we're creating. So good. In episode five, the, uh, the documentary filmmakers have a, a really interesting conversation about balancing the portrayal of Michael. How much how much do we put in that shows he's guilty? How much do we put in that shows he's innocent? And mm. I'm certain that you all had the same conversations. You referenced uh -huh. debates. Uh -huh. So how how did you manage that balance? You know, what, what, are there any specific moments you could talk about that you wrestled with? Well, I think what's interesting about it is, um, it's, it's not only balancing, um, performance, but it's also balancing the other characters' perspectives of the situation. So it ends up being a bit of a formula of making sure 
that if you're, you know, if your empathy lies with a certain character, you're probably more likely to start kind of believing how they see the world. And so to a certain extent, I think it was about knowing that we hadn't, we couldn't really control everything, but that it was about always knowing that there's the character of Michael Peterson, and then it's how our other characters perceive Michael Peterson. And so it was just taking into consideration constantly what those things were. And then of course, score and all of the semantics. But I think that was, again, one of the really unique things that isn't present in every writing or in directing opportunity is the ability to explore the thing that you're doing on screen. (laughs) And so that was, it's just, it's conversation and debate and trying your best. Um, But yeah, I think, I mean, the one, I mean, we had a lot of conversations about episode eight because we, there was at one point we were editing, moving things around a lot in the back half. And it was always like, we cannot, we have to maintain, we had to, we, we, we didn't want the audience to just end going, oh, he did it. Um, we wanted to, we, we wanted it to be more com- complicated than that. And so finding that balance and making sure that we hit the, those notes and, and, and Maggie's point about score, it's like score is a very, um, it's a very effective, but dangerous uh, tool because it can, it can tip the scales too much, just like one note can do so much. So you have to always be kind of, I, and all the, and then like, it's like a combination of the, the score with the way that you're lighting someone, the way that you're color correcting. It's like all of those things, how do they work together? How do you, how do you, how do you convey what you want to do? what you want to convey without, you know, um, without tipping the scale just a little bit one way or another. And it's, it's a balancing act. Well, I think one sort of unavoidable topic that I feel like we need to bring up is the reaction of the real life documentarians and including Sophie. And mm-hmm. um, they're, they were pretty vocal about, about their reactions to the series, being a little upset yeah. about it. And um, so I definitely, I just wanted to give you guys a chance to, I, I'd love to hear your reactions to that. Um your relationship with them. And I, you know, I just kind of want you to comment on that. However, you, however you like. I, I've, I, I've said it before and I will continue saying it. We have the deepest respect and admiration for Jean-Xavier de Lestrade and Sophie Brunet and everyone involved in making this documentary. We approached everyone, every character in this show with a great deal. We did our best to approach everyone with a great deal of compassion and understanding and and the way that they debated about balance that's what we were looking for balance and um showing all sides of things and um you know the show was always inspired by true events and a dramatization of you know the characters and the events of of not only documentary but of everything around the documentary even before uh, obviously before Kathleen died. Um, and we were always exploring different angles of the truth. Um, and at the end of the show, you're left with, I think what the way that you're left with at the end of the trial, a lot of reasonable doubts and being able to see all those different versions, um, I think speaks to what we were trying to do, which was not just look at one angle of this thing. So, yeah. What are you most proud of about about the staircase now that it's all out in the world? 
you know, for Antonio, more than a decade worth of work, Maggie, years worth of work. What are you most proud of? Hmm. I think, well, for me, and I think these parents are probably different, but it, you know, going back to, I think your initial question of like, it, it, like, how does it feel now that it's over? I think um, for us, it doesn't feel over. We're in that middle dot. Um, but for a lot of the people who worked on the show, um, they've been, you know, reaching out to say, you know, how happy they are to have been able to, you know, to contribute to, to the series and to, um, and I think, that the effort that they're making to to communicate that is um means that they felt like they were a part of something and that they made a difference and that their contribution is as equally as important as my own and i think i'm really i'm i'm just really happy that people the people that also contributed to the staircase feel that way yeah i think that's 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 always it's so satisfying that you always want everybody to be as proud of the work as you are. Yeah. And, and it's really touching to get those notes from people. Um, I, I, I really think, I believe that we, we made the show that we set out to make and it was not an easy show to make. It was a very complicated show with so many layers. And, and, and if, when, you know, it's it's wonderful that people have reacted that way, the way that they have to the show, but um, it was not a conventional straight shot. Like this was, there was a lot of risks that we took, and the fact that I feel like those risks paid off, that's really satisfying. And the fact that at the end of the day we made this eight-hour series, and we can stand behind everything that we did, and feel like the show that we imagined in that writer's room is a show that is available to, to watch now is, is it's, it's nice. That's great. I absolutely think the risk has paid off. I love the series. Uh, one last question before I let you go, you know, the, what I wanted to ask, what I want to ask is your opinions, right? Is, is Michael innocent or guilty, but do you find that like the most boring question to come out of the series with you can insult me. It's okay. I'm not going to be offended. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, I think it's a question, it's an echo. It's a question that echoes, right? And the reason it echoes is because there, there's nothing for it to land on. There's nothing to stop it. Once it bounces off the other wall, and then, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And when you ask that question, you're asking the two experts what they think. You're asking us to end the echo for you. And the right. problem is I can't. And so, and that's the point of the show um, is, so the reason you're asking that question is the reason we made the show. So it's a great question. It's an important question, but for me, I can't, I, I, I can't give you that. Um, and, but I did give you, or, you know, we did give you the show and that kind of is our answer or for, you know, yeah. but. <laughs> I, the, the, the best, the best answer is um, Colin first expression at the end of the show. Like, <laughs> That's the best answer for that question. Exactly. If there's if there's an emoji for that, then if someone creates a gift. That that would be a great oh gift for to create. If they instead of when they want there's a there's an answer that they can a question that they can't answer, they should just send that image. All right, we'll work on that. We'll make that happen. All right. Thank you so much, Daniel. Awesome. Hey, really thank you. Wow. 
Yeah, I appreciate the series. Thank you so much for what you've done. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the creator, director, and writer for HBO Max's The Staircase, Antonio Campos, and co-writer and executive producer Maggie Cohn here on the Next Best Picture podcast. The Staircase is currently streaming in full on HBO Max and is up for your consideration for this year's Emmy Awards in all of the limited series categories. You have been listening to the Next Best Series podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast umbrella, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show, we really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Watch them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.